Father, I pray that you would give me your grace as I open your word today. Holy Spirit, please be our teacher. We invite you to apply the word right where it needs to be applied in our lives, both individually and as a church family. God, may you be honored. May Jesus be lifted up. May your gospel be furthered. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, last week I began a series of messages in the book of Colossians uh, called The Christian Life in a Post-Christian Culture. And I want to clarify that Paul's letter to the Colossians and these sermons are not intended as a message to the post-Christian culture. They're a message message to Christians who are living in a post-Christian culture. So these are messages from a letter that Paul says, I recognize that you are living in a world that is not very Christian friendly right now, but here is how you live in such a world. And that's the desire as we look at this letter to learn from Paul, how do we live as a Christian in a world where we are not of the world, but we are in the world. Today, I want to talk about the Christian walk. The Christian walk. And what do you think about when you hear the word walk? Well, when baby takes the first steps, they now learn to walk. We go on the warm weather or maybe in the snow, a stroll with our sweetheart. We go on a walk. Workers go out on strike. And so they walk out. Negotiations fall apart, so what do we do? We walk away from the table. A teacher walks a student through a lesson. Sensitive discussion. We have to walk a fine line. Baseball pitcher throws four balls. It's a basketball player takes too many steps without dribbling. They... We move a heavy piece of furniture, we walk it back and forth. Pirates make their victims walk the plank. We treat someone with disrespect, we walk all over them. And we, when we are elated, when we're very happy, we are walking on air. These are all images of what it means to walk, and I think they all bring up thoughts of what it means to be a Christian. God wants us to walk the Christian life. We are not always only to talk the talk. We are to walk the walk. That's what I mean by the Christian walk. Let's see how the Apostle Paul applies this in verses 9 to 14 of chapter 1. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to that passage in the book of Colossians. Remember, Colossians can be found. Go, eat, pop, corn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Or you might want to use General Electric Power Company. Think about the order of how to find this wonderful epistle. Chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, that you may live a life 
worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us. Do I hear a praise the Lord? He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and He has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of His sins. Look at verse 10. There's a phrase in the NIV translations, which is the one in your chairs, that says that you may live a life. Um, The translators of the NIV have translated a Greek word, which literally means that you may walk. That you may walk. The ESV, maybe some of you have the English Standard Version, verse 10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's interesting, the New Testament church in the book of Acts was described as people who follow the way which implies that there is a way in which we are to walk as Christians. A couple more thoughts about this image of walking. First, it implies movement. <laughs> it's, it's overcoming inertia. It's an action word. It's true that our faith requires us to believe, but our faith always says that faith alone is never alone. We are to walk We are to progress. We are to move. But second, it does not mean run. We don't run through life. There is an emphasis on moving forward right, but that in no way eliminates the contemplative aspect of walking with God. Being still. Knowing that God is God. Waiting on God in prayer. But third, what I want to talk about today is walking requires a conscious decision about direction. Which way are you walking? Where are you walking? requires us to make a decision. Throughout the Bible, God's people often found themselves faced with a fork in the road. Each road would take in a different direction. And each one of us on a daily basis, especially in our culture today, are confronted with choices. And we must choose which way will we walk. You probably know the saying from Yogi Berra, who was a sports figure from two generations ago now. He's known for stating the obvious. He says, when you face a fork in the road, take it. No, when faced with a fork in the road, choose which way you are going to walk. In our culture, to buy or not to buy. To eat or not to eat. To click or not to click, to speak up 
or to remain silent, thinking about our time and our talents and our treasure. Will we serve self or will we serve others or will we serve God? It's a choice. And in this culture, in the life in which we live, we are confronted with dozens and dozens and dozens of choices every day. And it seems like there's a relentless attack on the Christian and an influence to try to say, walk down the way away from God. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I think the culture specifically designs a challenge just for me. I mean... <laughs> You know, why do you think, you know exactly my weaknesses. And they present me with opportunities to walk down this path and I have to choose. No, I'm not going to walk down that path. Because when faced with a choice, here's the path we need to walk. We need to choose to walk with God. We must choose. To walk with God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of Jesus and his righteousness. Seek first. Make walking with God a priority. He taught us that while we live in this culture, we are not of it. And so when we face choices, we must choose to walk with God. And Paul outlines for us three choices that I'd like to speak about for a while this morning. The first choice is found in verses 9 to 10. We must choose to walk in the knowledge of the will of God. Choose to walk in the knowledge of the will of God. Verse 9. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will so that you may live a life worthy or that you may walk in a way that pleases God in every way. Let's consider this idea of the will of God. We have to choose to walk according to the will of God. I want us to know that God does not keep his will secret from us. He doesn't say, nah, I got a, I got a will, my will for you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to discover it. What parent does that to their child? What parent says to the child, you know, I've got guidelines and we've got things in our household that I want you to follow, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. You've got you to figure them out for yourself. <laughs> no, God never does that. God has made a great effort to tell us what his will is and to preserve his will for us in his love letter to us, which we know as the Bible. God's will comes from the truth of his word. And we need to turn to the Word in order to hear from God. Searching for the will of God and, turn, and turning to the will of God and failing to turn from the will of God, rather, is like waiting for a loved one to call us and never turning on our phone. Turn on the phone. Open the Bible. Read the Bible. God will speak to you and He will reveal His will to you. That's the prayer of Paul in this passage. He prays that the Colossians would know and understand the truth of God's will and walk in it. And like he says in other passages that we've just, we've just studied recently, when we do, we'll walk in a life 
worthy of the Lord and we will please Him in every way. The way Paul uses this phrase in other places specifically applies the truth of God's will to our lives. Our choices are, what do we put into our minds? Well, what does His will say? So much information, so many messages, so many images. What does the Bible say we should do by filling our minds? Well, one of the Psalms says, I will put no unholy thing in my mind. It's a choice. How do we spend our money? God tells us how to spend our money. He says, Invest some of it in this life so you can be responsible with the things that he has given you. But invest your money in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's a choice. That's his will for us in life. That's how you walk according to the Lord. Dozens and dozens of choices. What kind and how much food do we feed, feed our bodies? Are there things we ought not to put in our bodies? Anything that would... Weaken our bodies or control us so that we're not controlled by anything other than God. He has a will for us. And then verse 9 tells us that if we live according to his will, we open up his Bible, he will fill us. He will fill us with himself. Paul is praying that when we put the information of God's word in our hearts, It doesn't stay information. It transforms our hearts. We need to open the Bible. We need to apply God's will to our lives so that we live a life worthy of Him and please Him in every way. And in just a minute, I'm going to tell us how to do that. But there's another choice that Paul tells us about in these passages found in the second half of verse 9 up to 12. We must choose to walk according to the power of the Spirit. He says we must walk in the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, verse 9. Verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that we may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That comes from choosing to walk with in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. This tells us that the Christian walk is made possible as we keep in step with the Spirit of God. Now that sounds easy. Sure, Scott, easy to say that. And it's true, it's not easy. It's hard. Because once we become a believer, once God fills us with his spirit, once he gives us spiritual birth, there is no delete button on the old nature. There's no delete button on memories, patterns, habits. We still walk in this world, and the old nature, the the human nature is still there. But now we have an ability to choose. We can choose to walk according to the old nature, or we can choose to walk according to the Spirit of God. 
The old nature keeps raising its ugly head, doesn't it? Sometimes in the most inopportune times, <laughs> when you're driving home, when you see a billboard, or you're watching TV and a commercial or a halftime show comes on, When you pray, do you, do you guys spider web when you pray? My wife and I talk about spider webbing. You know, well, we'll be taken and, and she'll say something to me and I'll say, how did you get there? And she'll say, well, I started out with this and then I went here and then I went there and then I got to this. You know, and it's easy to do that, isn't it? But God says, choose to walk according to the power of the Spirit. And when we do, we will display the fruit of the Spirit. We will grow in the knowledge of God, he says. We will be empowered. We will have his power according to his glorious might. And we prayed during our corporate time of prayer today, it's that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will be ours by the Spirit as we walk according to his power. But the greatest power imaginable. And the result is that we will have, verse 11, endurance in all circumstances and patience with all people by the Spirit. One scholar says, endurance is what the Spirit brings to an apparently impossible situation. And parents, patience, is what the Spirit shows to an apparently impossible person. That's me. (laughs) And the Spirit shows me how to walk according to Him. And that gives me a disposition of thanks. But walking according to the Spirit is a choice. Do we follow the old nature or do we follow the new nature? And in just a minute, I'll help us understand how to do that. But first, one more choice that Paul tells us. How to walk the Christian walk. We must choose to walk as citizens of the kingdom of God. Walk as citizens of the kingdom of God. Here's what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. He has qualified us to share the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Wow! (laughs) We must walk as members of citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. What a vivid contrast Paul makes. The dominion of darkness versus the kingdom of the Son He loves. The domain of darkness versus the domain of light. See, the Bible teaches us that in our natural state, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And he describes for us vividly in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the house of the disobedience. All of us also lived at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires, and like the rest, we will by nature deserve of wrath. That's one road. 
But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions, and by grace he saved us. And we no longer walk according to the kingdom of darkness. We now walk as citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. Verse 13, we are transferred out of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. And in that new domain, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Is there anybody here today who is living under the burden and the weight of unforgiven sin? Some of us say, oh, I, I, I just have this, this sin in my life and, and it just, it's just eating me up. Brothers and sisters, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been transferred into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus and your sins are forgiven. Come to him who are weary and heavy laden with sin and Jesus will give you rest. What a great, great privilege. See, in this post-Christian culture, we will often be reminded that we fail. We do. We will sin. We do. But we can come to God and ask His forgiveness and receive freedom from the weight of sin. Now, some of us don't believe we are forgiven. That's just too easy, Scott. That's just too easy. I have to do something. I have to earn and I have to deserve and I have to, I have to merit forgiveness. No, it's not what we do. It's what Jesus has already done. And because he of what he has done, we can be freed from sin. Have you ever had a dream where you, you think you're walking through a dream and it's a terrible experience and you're just all upset and then you wake up and you go, oh, I think we've all done that, haven't we? Oh, that was a dream. I'm so glad that that was a dream. Living under the weight of unforgiven sin is living in a dream. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. Ready? Wake up! (laughs) Yeah? Wake up! You're forgiven! Don't carry that. Come to Jesus. Receive His grace. Receive His love. Receive His forgiveness that He purchased for us on the cross. Be free. Because you are citizens of the kingdom of God. The gospel has given us three things. One, the gospel has qualified us for the kingdom of Jesus. We're qualified. No ability in ourselves. God at this point did it. Jesus said what? It is finished. Second, the gospel rescues us from the dominion of darkness. He liberates. He he liberates us. He saves us. He takes us out of the domain of sin and darkness and he puts us into the light of his glorious presence. Death no longer holds us in its clutches. Now certainly there are some people who die before we would like them to die. 
But guess what? I think you all know this. All of us are going, aren't we? We're all going to die. But we're in the citizen. We're citizens of his kingdom. So therefore, we do not fear death. And when someone who's close to us dies, we mourn, but not as those who have no hope. Because God has given us a living hope, an inheritance in heaven. will never spoil or fade or perish. Certainly, we do not fear death. Thirdly, the gospel has brought us in the kingdom of the Son He loves. The weight of guilt is lifted and we have a life of hope. Over and over and over we are told, make a choice. Am I going to live that kingdom or am I going to live this kingdom? See, in the kingdom of a son, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. In the kingdom of the son, we are heirs. In the kingdom of the son, we are members of the body of Christ. In the kingdom of the son, we are citizens. Walking like this is a choice. Walking according to the power of the Spirit is a choice. Walking according to the knowledge of the will of God is a choice. So now let's talk about how do we make that choice. Well, here's a general truth and a general reality. It takes effort and discipline and determination. It's not something that's easy. We must be committed to it and it must be our lifestyle. It's just the way we live. Well, how do you live, Scott? Well, I'll tell you what. I choose to follow God. That's just my lifestyle. Oh, come on now. You know, give me a break. You know, I mean, let's, let's go out this weekend. No, my lifestyle, I follow God. It's just that simple. Is it easy? No. It takes determination. It's difficult to choose to walk with God. It's hard to choose to walk with God. We've got to be committed. We've got to have determination. We've got to say, this is my choice. Three practical applications. One, we choose to walk in the knowledge of God's will by meditation. Meditation on God's word. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Dwell on these things. Rehearse them in your mind over and over. Memorize them. Ponder them so they dominate the mind and heart. Search for God's will in your particular situation. Get out a Bible concordance. And write out a verse and put it on a three-by-five card and stick it on the mirror as you put on your makeup or as you shave your whiskers. (laughs) Choose to fill your mind and then meditate on it. That's just my lifestyle. That's just my determination. I choose to fill my mind with the Word of God. Second, we choose to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit By prayer. 
This is not some nebulous thing, walking by the Holy Spirit. And here's a verse that you've heard over and over again, but I, I'm just so convinced. Paul says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of weak, wickedness. In other words, stop offering yourself to sin as instrument of wickedness. But turn and offer yourself to God. That's prayer. Just turn and offer yourself to God and say, God, I'm, I'm walking the wrong way, so I'm turning away from it and I'm offering myself to you. Holy Spirit, fill me fresh. Holy Spirit, anoint me. Holy Spirit, take over. Simple prayer. How many times a day do we pray that? Oh, maybe a hundred. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's a choice. And we choose to walk as citizens of the kingdom of Jesus through good works. Here's the second half of Romans 6.13. Stop, turn, offer yourself to God, and then what does Romans 13, second part say? Offer every part of your body as an instrument of righteousness. Good works. We're saved by grace alone, but grace is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. It's accompanied by obedience. So when does a thief, when is a thief no longer a thief? Well, when he stops stealing. No, he's just taking a vacation. A thief is no longer a thief when he or she gets a job and gives to the poor. Good works. When is a verbal abuser no longer a verbal abuser? When he or she speaks in such a way as to impart grace and edification to those who hear good works. When a materialistic, greedy person is no longer materialistic and greedy, well, when they become generous and sacrificially give to others. See, that's, that's how you walk with God. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle. And Paul prays for us that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and that we would please Him in every way. And that's exactly what Joshua said as the people of Israel were about to enter into a land that was, it wasn't post-Christian then, but it was certainly anti-God. And he told them, you will have a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's how you walk the Christian life in a post-Christian culture. Father in heaven, the Christian life, the Christian walk is practical. It's empowered by a supernatural power. 
But Lord, there is personal responsibility to each one of us. I confess so many times I make the wrong choice. Thank you for your grace that when I turn and present myself to you and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me fresh, that you forgive and then you empower me to walk and offer myself as an instrument of righteousness to demonstrate the grace that you have given to me. Pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening to these words from the Apostle Paul. Give us the determination, the discipline, the endurance to choose to walk with God and to receive your power as we do so, that we may live a life worthy of the gospel and please you in every way. To that end, we give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.